ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. So we're on with Dan Thomas. Man, what's happening? How are we doing tonight? Hey, guy, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Absolutely, it. man. Been following you for sheesh quite some time, man. Um, remember the moose hunt, which we'll get into uh, before I get carried away, man. Why don't you give everybody a little background? Let them know, you know, about uh, yourself and your outdoor experience, and then we'll get rolling from there, man. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, like I said, my name is Dan Thomas. I uh, up here in northern Idaho, uh, born and raised in Idaho here, and uh, I uh grew up just kind of hunting and uh or not hunting i grew up uh fishing and just uh camping um i didn't do any hunting or really knew any family that hunted or anything um part of my family was from from california that moved here and and uh, my dad really never got into it or anything like that but we always uh living really big outdoor community up here. So growing up, so I did lots of camping, lots of fishing. Uh, it's pretty much how I spent my summers is just lots of fishing. And, uh, yeah, so grew up doing that and, um, kind of up into my, I'm kind of a adult onset hunter. If you, if you want to call it that, uh, um, yeah, I grew up, uh, grew up went through college and kind of wanted to do more in the outdoors and stuff and just fishing up here in north idaho um at the time i didn't really even nice fish so my fishing season was just uh maybe like half the year you know or if that sometimes with the weather so um was looking more to do more out outdoors and uh, uh a high school friend of mine uh, along with my brother, my twin brother, who, uh, started hunting about a year before me, um, kind of said I should try it. And, uh, 
Um, so decided to give it a try. Uh, Idaho has this awesome program uh, called the Pot Passport Program where you can try uh, hunting without even uh, having to get go through the hunter's ed or anything like that. You just or uh, even buying a license. You just have to buy this like two dollar and fifty cent uh, passport they call it. And then you buy your tag and you're good to go for that first season. So, um, went ahead and tried that. And, uh, um, that was 2016. I got my, uh, first deer after hunting like four or five days doing that, uh, with my high school buddy. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I've been hooked ever since <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that uh, program in Idaho, man, is phenomenal, right? Because there is, there is kind of a, a higher barrier of entry, right? When it comes to hunting. Um, and a lot of people I think are reluctant because of that. So to be able yeah. to say, Hey, I'm a, and I, I believe if I'm, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I believe you have to go out with a licensed hunter. That's, you know, gone through all the process um, yeah, that's, to get that passport. Yeah, I did go out with my, my buddy was licensed hunter, uh, every time I went out. So, um, yeah, that is a requirement, which is understandable. Yeah. You want a, a newbie going out with a gun that they don't want to use and <laughs> without knowing all the regulations and everything. So yeah, that's a good rule, but, uh, yeah, it's an awesome program to get new hunters in there. I think a lot of people should take advantage of it. I wonder in how, fact, I wonder how underutilized that is. Um, Cause you're only maybe the third, maybe the fourth person I've heard that, that actually utilized that program. I'd be curious yeah, to I look think, at that. I don't think a lot of people even know about it. I, that's any, anytime I have a friend that wants to get into hunting, I tell them about that program and, and uh, they're like, Oh, I didn't even know about that. So yeah, I think it's not very well known. But what, I mean, what an excellent thing, right? I mean, so then you're, you, were you out on borrowed gear and, and the whole nine, or did you have some investment in that prior to really, you know, getting wet, uh, we'll say? Yeah, I, I had the quality uh, Walmart uh, camo nice. and uh, <laughs> uh, borrowed, uh, <laughs> I borrowed a, a 338 wind mag for my buddy we're hunting deer. So it's a little overpowered for deer, but it, uh, Get the job. Certainly man. did the job well for deer. You didn't go far after I shot him. So, yeah, I, I mean, hats off to Idaho, right? Especially in, in this day and age to have that program and continue that program. I wish more states um, across the nation did that, man, too. Uh, I know there's a lot of kids programs. I'm not sure if there's any more that I know of that are for the, you know, air quote, scourge of the hunting community, the adult onset <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Washington has a similar program too. Um, my, I have a half sister that kind of lived in Washington and she was interested in getting in, in uh, hunting. And I was looking into trying to help her get into it. And uh, uh, we live right next to the Washington border in Idaho here. So, um, I looked into that there. So they do have it in Washington as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, so what's your, what's your preferred species to chase? Uh, definitely, definitely elk. Um, that first, that after getting into hunting that first year in 2016, 
2017, um, I got my first bow that spring there and, uh, in 2017 and, uh, a, a friend of my friend that got me into hunting kind of, he, he got a elk like the day before and he needed to help, uh, tracking it and finding it and packing it out. So me and my uh, buddy went and go, went and helped him. Uh, so it was like the year after I started hunting and, and, uh, I've yet to even hear a bugle or anything like that. And I go out there and, uh, on our way to try and find the bull, we, we, uh, I hear my first bugle and, um, a big old bull and, a and a cow kind of across the trail in front of us. I, I tried to get on, I brought my bow with me just in case. And I, uh, tried to get a shot, but he, uh, stepped right behind a tree and didn't have a shot, but yeah, definitely from that moment on, uh, elk was, was, uh, pretty ingrained in my mind. And admit that that first bugle, I well, you know what? I can't even say the first bugle because I can hear twenty of them, man, and it's almost it's almost the same response uh, with me from the first, the very first one to the twentieth one. You hear, man, you get chills up and down your spine. The hair stands up, and it's just like, oh man. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I'll I'll never get tired of that. <laughs> Jesus, that's an amazing yeah. animal. So that brings us to shoot would be you know really your second full season, um, in 2018, and that's when you had your uh, your moose hunt. Yeah, yeah. So 2017, I didn't. Uh, or I don't know if you wanted to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's okay. yeah let's talk about 2017. I'm excited about the moose too, but yeah, let's talk about 17. Yeah. Um, 2017, I didn't, I, I didn't know, know anything about elk hunting. And I think I went out a few times, but I just didn't know anything about spots or, or where to go and how to do it or anything like that. So, um, I think I mainly deer hunted that, that year and then went out a couple, um, a couple times for elk hunting. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't know that what the heck I was doing. And, uh, I ended up getting a doe that year. Uh, Idaho kind of allows for extra doe tags and stuff as well as a normal deer tag. So I ended up filling my doe tag that year as well with the rifle. Um, also got my first rifle that year. So, uh, got, uh, got my doe tag filled with that. And then, uh, I think I even got a, no, I think that was in 2018. I got a, my first turkey in 2018 as well with the, with the bow. Um, that was my first and first and only animal at the moment with the bow. But, uh, um, so yeah, if you wanted to go into the, well, oh, no, was, yeah, but you brought up a couple things. <laughs> so okay. I, I'm always curious, man. Right. So when I started that, we didn't have a lot of, the same information right and and now there seems to be this flood in for of information and it's great to kind of shorten that learning curve but how how does a guy work through the best practice right i mean that a lot of that stuff is you know can be area specific um a lot of the stuff if we're looking at you know call it Oregon or Washington and we're chasing rosies how do you filter through that information apply it or do you get 
the flood and it's like, I don't know where to start. Uh, yeah, at the beginning there, I was definitely, uh, kind of, a feeling of where it's not, not knowing where to start. And, but, uh, yeah, fortunately, uh, my buddy that got me into hunting and, uh, and my brother kind of went with them a couple times and started to get the hang of things. And, uh, um, uh, my day job, I'm, I, I work at a desk in my day job. So I listen to podcasts pretty much all day long. <laughs> so I listen to a lot of hunting podcasts and, uh, and started to watch a lot of YouTube videos and stuff like that and got lots of tips on that. Um, eventually did go through, I think a year or two later, went through the Elk 101 university and everything like that. But, uh, um, yeah, lots of, lots of cool ways of getting knowledge these days. There's a great thing about YouTube and internet these days is you can learn just about anything you want out there, you know? Yeah. Applying it is the issue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still learning that too. So. And I, um, you know, and that's, I guess that's a plus with it. Right. And then that's one of the things I think that, that keeps a lot of us going is because as efficient as you become, you never really become that proficient in it all that, you know, you're that apex or you can stop learning, right? There's always, there's always another notch in the belt in terms of more knowledge, more information, um, and, and just gaining more and, and, and putting it to practical use. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the greatest things about hunting is you're, if, if you really want to be good at it, you always got to keep that mindset. Of, you always got to keep that mindset that you don't know everything. You always want to be open to learn new things and, and you're always going to learn something or you're always going to forget something and have to relearn it through hard lessons. And <laughs> So, but have you, have yeah, you no. delved down the, the road of tinkering where you're reloading or doing anything with your bow and your arrows and things like that yet? Um, yeah, lots of tinkering with, uh, my bow. I haven't done any rifle stuff yet, but, uh, uh, yeah, lots of different arrow setups and, and, uh, yeah, I got a, that I still have that first, that first and only bow I've got so far. And, but, uh, yeah, slowly been upgrading stuff on that and figuring out arrows and what works best. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what's that kind of stuff? What's your setup? Um, got a kind of older prime bow. It's a prime alloy, um, bow and, uh, tight spot quiver. Um, I just got a new, new site on it this, this year, uh, uh, Q logic site and, uh, which has this, um, this little extra little dial on it that helps you keep yourself from, um, torquing the bow, uh, which I really like and which helps me be more accurate. And then, uh, trying out that new crossover, um, stabilizer that kind of extends out this year i just got that so um trying that with a little uh, i think a 10 inch back bar on it and um so that'd be a new setup for me this year and 
running um, the Easton Full Metal Jacket arrows, uh, a little bit of a small kind of collar on the front, uh, Kudu Plus uh, uh, broadheads. And then last year or so, I've been tinkering with those FOB uh, fletchings, uh, the fletching only better fletchings, uh, really those. I went from uh, like a, your standard three fletch, uh, boning or whatever that comes on your arrows. And then, uh, I started fletching my own arrows and trying full fletched and did that with wraps and everything. And then I, uh, went to these FOB, uh, fletchings, uh, which I really like. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's my current setup. You a, a speed guy, a weight guy, a high FOC guy, or uh, more of a weight guy at the moment? When for my moose hunt, I I hunt I hunted about three quarter of the season with with my um, with my bow. So I built a um, like a heavy arrow that would would that would uh, do the trick for moose. You know, so it's I built a I, uh, it's my arrow right now. I haven't changed since then. It's about a 600 grain arrow. Um, I do the 150 grain, uh, kudus and then those, uh, Easton full metal jackets are, I think they're 13 grains per inch or whatever. So they're kind of a heavier arrow. So I've been running that ever since, uh, been thinking about doing a lighter setup maybe lightening that down to like 500 or something, but, uh, haven't tried that yet. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a that's yeah. my motto, man. Once I find yeah, that combination that, you know, I'm shooting out at my max distance. Um, and I'm, and I'm comfortable with it. And my groups are dropping. Like I have a hard time tinkering or moving away from it. It just doesn't make sense to me yeah, to mess yeah. with it. Yeah, those full mount jaggers are pretty heavy, but they're super nice to pull out of targets and stuff. When you're doing like 3D shoots and stuff, they come out of those targets a lot easier. And they're supposed to penetrate and go through animals a lot quicker, you know, with the smooth aluminum outer outer edge of them. So, but uh, they do uh, create quite a a pin gap in your in your sight, though. So, I've been uh, thinking trying to go a little, with something a little bit lighter, but uh, I haven't changed anything yet on that. How do you like the, uh, the contour plus? Uh, great. I just started shooting those last year. I haven't shot an animal with them or anything, but uh, they shoot just like the original ones. I shot the original ones too. And they're just the same as those, those, those pluses are like, so the little bleeder blaze on them are so small. They just, don't make any difference to their flight. Yeah, I love those kudos. They're, they're the only broadhead I've ever shot that are actually are shoot like like uh, field, field tips. Yeah, them, man, that's one of the reasons that I made the switch to them is I kind of, if I'm going to change something, I have to have a an issue with one for whatever reason. It's usually me. Um, but I put them side by side another and I went, you know, I started shooting um, 
out at 60 and then I made it back to 108 and man, my groups with the kudus were still in that two to three inch group range. Whereas the others, man, I was opening up a little bit more than that. And uh, man, I've been hooked ever since. I mean, they just fly phenomenally. And then I like how the bleeders are on that little collar where they don't go, you know, full into the ferrule. Cause I was really concerned that there would be issues in the ferrule strength um, with too much intrusion with that slot, but I haven't seen any, any problems with them since I started shooting them. And then the fact yeah, that the bleeders are replaceable are nice too. Yeah. And they're, they're thicker as well. They're not like the razor type replaceable broadheads, you know, or blades, you know? So yeah, they're really, and then, yeah, their main blade itself is super easy to sharpen and, and pretty much stays Stays pretty stays sharp. sharp. Yeah. You're about the first person I've heard say that are easy to sharpen. <laughs> that's yeah, the, I mean, that's the only downside with them to me is, yeah, is because of that is, curve. Once you figure it out, it's too bad. Yeah. How are you, like taking, how are you doing that using a round rod? Are you on a stone or how do you go about it? Um, I'll usually, um, kind of take it with a, even like a, one of the round rods. Yeah. Like you sharpen kitchen knives with, and, um, I watched a how to video on the kudus page and they kind of go through this, but, uh, I take like a black marker and mark the blade and you pretty much just sharpen that blade, um, until kind of all the black permanent ink kind of gets off the blade, you know? So my buddy, Tyler but, McCluskey with that video, man. Yeah. Yeah, they have a good uh, how-to on that and on their YouTube channel for anybody So, man, let's hear it. We uh, I strayed <laughs> us a little bit. I had to get into that. I'm I'm just reason I ask is I'm messing with my new arrows with this new setup, and it's always cool to hear what folks are shooting and the yeah, differences definitely. in setup. You know. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've, I was interested in that, but yeah. Um, so, 2018. Uh, I did apply for Moose 2017. I ended up applying for a a good unit, but one of those units that everybody applies for. So it's low draw, you know. So um, 2018, I did a lot of research into draws and everything like that. Um, Idaho puts out their draws and um, statistics from the previous season um, on the following year up on their website and everything. So that's, um, really easy to figure out, uh, what, what units have the best kind of draw odds and, and, um, what units, uh, people have the best, uh, um, percentages of filling their tags and everything like that. So, uh, I studied that a lot and, uh, found this unit up North that, uh, had, had the best draw draw odds um and had a decent decent uh um fill kind of rate for that so i ended up applying for that and um june or july came along i think you know i think it was around june and yeah i got a notification that i drew the tag is only <laughs> only my second time applying um which i think is a big part of the unit I applied for, um, lots of people end up applying for those popular units all their lives. And they just 
never end up drawing, you know, I, I think a lot of people end up drawing if they would apply for those kind of harder units that may not have the bigger populations or you might have to work harder, but, uh, you'd have better odds of, uh, drawing, you know? So, um, that's pretty much what this kind of unit was. I, I did a lot of scouting, um, as soon as I found out, um, I drew, uh, put a lot of cameras out and, um, started kind of crossing off areas in that unit and driving around and trying to put some eyes on, on, uh, some, some moose. And, uh, uh, I got a few pictures. I ended up getting a few pictures of cows and stuff and, but, uh, didn't really end up really finding any bulls scouting preseason, which, uh, kind of worried me, but, uh, um, I soon found out that this unit was pretty low, pretty uh, low moose populations. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of wolves in the area, a lot of, a lot of bears, a few grizzlies that come, come through that unit and, um, kind of wreak havoc on the moose populations, um, last decade or so. But, uh, um, so yeah, I was just willing to put in the work though. So I was, I knew I'd, uh, if I put in the work, I can find something, you know? So, uh, the first, so the opening day, um, I took the first, uh, I think two weeks of the first two weeks of the season, I took, uh, off from work. Um, so hunted every day I could. My my brother lived up in that unit, so I could just hunt out all day and then just come back at his house and stay at his house. And um, so I'd go out a lot, uh, kind of checking areas off. And uh, I think it was like second or third time going out. I mean my uh, my uh, buddy that kind of helped me get into hunting. He he went out with me that day, and we we went up to this area he's thought he's seen uh, moose before and um, drove around and looked around and we're hiking up this clear cut. And um, at the top of this clear cut, we see this big bull moose staring at us and uh, he saw us before we saw him. So he's, he's already pretty uh, sketchy. And so we're like, okay, we're, <laughs> I guess we're, we'll try and get close to him. So he, he uh, walked off in the woods a little bit and bedded down in the woods so we could still see one of his paddles and uh, kind of slowly worked our way up there and, and uh, tried to get a shot off on it. But uh, he could kind of still sense that we were there and he ended up taking off and um, never ended up finding him. Um, we tried. Uh, so that day was kind of a bust. Uh, we, we ended up finding out later he he went and circled down below us in the clear cut to get our wind. And, and, uh, we found his tracks after we kind of went back down for the day, we found his tracks kind of going down below us and got our wind. So, um, kind of boogered that moose up. Uh, we tried to go in there the next day and, uh, see if he's still in there somewhere, but we talked to, Right. That day I went in by myself. I think I went in there and talked to the guy on my way up that he 
spent the night up there and, and, uh, he had heard wolves howling up there all night, I guess. So I had, uh, pretty much figured that that moose got ran out of the area, uh, did some calling at that clear cut to see if I can call him in, but he, he never ended up showing up. So, um, the rest of the season, I ended up just, yeah, crossing off areas and, uh, I must have drove like a thousand miles and probably hung, hiked a good 150 miles and and uh, wasn't wasn't pulling up any other bulls. I've I had seen a few cows here and there, um, but didn't end up pulling any bulls or anything like that. Um, I think the season started early September. Um, after that first two weeks I took off, I, I was just hunting weekends after that, after I used up that first two weeks. Um, so I just go up and every weekend and try and talk to people and get good gear, uh, areas to try out up there. And my brother, he lived up there. He would talk to people and, and, uh, and to see and other people that, uh, had seen moose up in certain areas and I'll go up there and, um, try and figure it out. And, but, uh, but yeah, I was still not finding any moose. Uh, so we're coming, come down to around November. Or so I was getting down to, uh, about my last two weeks of the season for for this tag. Uh, so started getting a little worried and started getting a little serious about filling the tag. I'd, I'd been hunting with my bow that whole time. So at about that point, I, I got the rifle out, you know, so, to to try and up my odds of filling this tag. Um, my brother-in-law, he, uh, he called me one night and, and, and told me one of his coworkers had a, a, uh, a tag, uh, a bull moose tag for that same unit. And he just filled his tag, uh, like a few days ago. And he was, so he ended up giving me this guy's number and, uh, I, I called him up and, um, and, uh, he ended up giving me a couple of good areas to try out that he saw several other bulls in. And, and, uh, so the next weekend I ended up, going up there um just these high mountain lake area that uh that uh went in there and uh had a fresh fresh layer of like two or three inches of snow and barely got my little Subaru Baja up there in this deep snow I got to the trailhead and um had another buddy kind of hunting with me um so we kind of hiked in there first light and about half a mile in, we started seeing a bunch of, bunch of tracks going, going across this uh, trail we were on. So like, Oh, wow. Good area here. Um, we started, you hear people kind of tracking down moose, following tracks and, and eventually catching up to the moose and, or, or any animal deer elk. Uh, so we tried that method for a little bit, but being North Idaho is a bit, it's pretty thick and brushed, brushed in up there. So we're, 
making all sorts of noises, uh, going through the brush and trees and everything, following these moose tracks all, all through the woods. And I'm like, ah, man, this is not working. We're making too much noise. We're going to spook this moose off before we even get close to it, you know? So, um, we ended up going to back up to the main trail that we were on and, uh, I was looking on my own X and saw there was a good couple of good clearings farther up the trail. So, um, <clears throat> went, started going up, uh, farther up that trail and we get to the first clearing. I look up, up the hill and they're staring at me about 50 yards as a big bull moose, big, nice moose. And, uh, yeah, I instantly knew as a, as a shooter. So I just, yeah, ripped my rifle cover off and, and, uh, I uh, got one shot off and, uh, then he, I got one kind of broadside shot with my rifle. He turned and kind of faced me with his chest and was still kind of standing there, like <laughs> kind of, is that all you got kind of look. And, uh, so I, uh, shot him again, kind of a frontal shot. And, uh, he kind of bedded down after that. And, uh, I'm like, okay, I think I got him now. And uh start watching him and he starts getting up again. <laughs> so I uh he he gave me another nice uh, nice broadside shot. I think the first shot was just like a one long and then it went into his opposite opposite shoulder. Um being the big animal that they are, he's he probably was fine on that one giant lung, you know. So <laughs> Uh, the third shot, I shot through both lungs and, uh, that, that finally did the trick. So, so yeah, I dropped them there. Uh, fortunately, uh, it was, uh, early in the morning, uh, we hiked up in there and, um, there were pictures and all that and started, uh, cutting on it and everything. And, uh, me and my buddy took us. I think eight hours to butcher all up and put it in game bags and hike all the game bags kind of back, back down towards the main trail to kind of get it away from the carcass in case there was any bears or anything in the area. Um, come to find out the pack that he has is like a, just a Badlands day pack. So he doesn't really have anything to, 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 to pack it out with. And, uh, so he just takes his hip belt and kind of straps it around it and kind of just bear hugs the kind of the loose meat bag that I had. <laughs> and, and, uh, I put a quarter on my back and, um, and, uh, we, we were only about a, maybe a mile and a half from a trailhead or anything. So we, we hiked that first load out that, that, uh, evening was by the time we hiked out, it was, it was dark. So, um, with grizzly bears and wolves and, and black bears in the area and everything with fresh kill. We didn't want to go in that night and try and pack out another load. So we, um, got my brother and, uh, another friend, my friend that was with me had to go home. So I got another friend and, um, the fresh snow on the ground, my brother had a, one of those wood toting sleds that kind of haul, kind of wood in with uh for firewood and stuff so we 
we dragged that up there and uh um I put the head yeah I put the head on my back and he my buddies each take a quarter and I I think we still had like three three other bags of meat and the hide I kept the hide and we put all that in the sled and got the whole moose out in the next next trip so yeah that was nice having snow on the ground that allowed us to get it all in one only a second trip and and uh yeah that was that dang just so there's so much in that story man so we're talking <laughs> we're talking you know three years of hunting uh 2016 2017 well not even three years right 2018 just breaking yeah. into that season and <clears throat> most most folks on a tag like that right and i i'm guilty of it is i'm gonna buy a point right or i'm gonna apply for this lavish unit with you know um bad like you said bad draw odds but a heavy population um that i probably won't get for 10 15 you know like here with with elk it's you know you're lucky to see it between 20 and 25 years here in california yeah. uh, and then the amount of work put into that preseason and then just the grind through the season you know i always equate this my success at least in the woods to the amount of time that i spend in the woods right like that time on uh, boots on the ground there has to be some kind of mathematical ratio that that states that you know if i spend x amount of time i'll increase my odds by x amount of percent um yeah and then utilizing utilizing all the you know all the resources right folks in the area um you know a guy that that had the tag how hard was it for you to pull out of the area that you had initially saw the moose in? Cause that kind of where I fell with, with elk um, and this dang Colorado tag was I knew there was elk there. Uh, hadn't been successful on them and I could not get myself to move away from where I knew they were at. Um, even though we were only seeing them here and there and then, but there was a ton of sign. How difficult was that? Um, well, it was pretty easy knowing that the, the wolves were in that area then, and that the taste the most likely taste the wolf out of the, or the moose out of the area. I did go, go back into areas close by and, uh, ridges kind of close by and see if he got bumped off to another ridge or something like that. Um, but yeah, I never ended up going back to that one spot, just knowing that, uh, he, uh, he got bumped out of that area. Hindsight, I, I, I might have, might have, should have maybe gone back to that first bowl and see if he kind of came back to that area. Yeah, I got to wonder, like, how, how, how far will they go or how often the wolves actually will bump them or if they'll just kind of get a little more sketched out, right? I mean, you figure that yeah. a pack of wolves is going to be moving pretty frequently. Um, so I'm sure they move around, but I'm not sure, you know, and I don't know. Um, I've never even looked at outside of, you know, dreaming on an Alaskan moose hunt, really looked yeah. at, you know, pursuing them. Uh, but you hear it a lot of, you know, with elk and things that they'll get real quiet and, you know, sketched out real stealthy uh, when yeah. there's a lot of wolves around. I know I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know how comfortable I would be archery hunting a moose with wolves in the area. Does Idaho let you carry during archery season? Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, 
Um, and then, yeah, even the moose, you can like, like I hunted with both a bow and a rifle, you can, you can, you can pick your weapon or yeah. Or you can, yeah. Carry whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cause deer archery season, we can't, uh, we can't carry, believe that or not. Oh. <laughs> and I, wow. That, yeah. It's that a little what, weird. I mean, feel safe in the woods is that I can carry a, I, I'm always carrying my 45 with me and yeah, that, that's part of what kind of, gives me peace of mind out there you know <laughs> like, like bear spray will do the same thing but uh yes the you know i don't really worry about the bears as much as as the lions um and over the yeah. years i've kind of grown more and more uh, for the lack of a better word comfortable um with being attacked from behind and bitten on the back of the head and neck it's kind of <laughs> just settled with me but yeah it is yeah. It, it's a weird <laughs> thing you're you'll probably have a hard time getting to you but uh you might be able to fight them off. yeah you know i mean but, uh, and, and maybe it's a false sense of security right that you can carry you know your pistol with you um i always thought it was just a kind of a dumb rule man yeah yeah that, that doesn't really make sense to me <laughs> i mean i get it right it's a deterrent right it's basically like you know a lock on a a lock on something keeps the honest folks honest um kind yeah. of deal and and yeah there's a handful of folks that are going to do something stupid um but i would say for the most part man we're able to if we value it we regulate ourselves pretty well yeah but yeah that's awesome man i mean a once in a lifetime hunt after a couple of years of hunting and then to successfully punch that tag um yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's been come true definitely yeah it was pretty crazy how it all went down and yeah pretty lucky but uh that was pretty i know it was pretty generous with their with their resident tags uh they'll they'll have they even have like two week two week tags in november for moose that most of the time like nobody wants i i drew the full season tag because i wanted that full time but uh, a lot of there's a, a few november which is after their uh two week tags that a lot of people don't apply for and i was looking at those and some of those have a hundred percent draw odds if if you're willing to only have two weeks to try and get it done, some some units up here even have yeah have have those tags that you're really likely to to draw if you're willing to sacrifice the time. Mm -hmm. What what kind of price on that two week tag? Do you know? Uh, all all moose tags for residents or or, or any trophy species is like 160 dollars to apply, and then. And then you get that back if you don't apply for it. So it's, it's not That's too a bad. Wash, yeah. For something like a moose, 160 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which basically you're getting like a, probably more than a cow's worth of meat off of, you know, if you went and tried to buy a whole cow for that, it would be way more than that. So yeah, you're definitely getting a lot of meat for the money. <laughs> I mean, just, well, yeah, that's, that's a huge plus, right? But the experience and that, that accomplishment of, I got my moose. <laughs> there's yeah. not a, there's not a whole lot of people that, you know, even in 20, 30 year careers have, you know, have that under their belts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's lots of 
states out there that make it a lot harder for sure. But yeah, I, I just count it to all, all just applying for that, that unit that had low, had low, uh, low numbers, but, uh, high draw odds, you know, if you're willing to work harder, you're, uh, you're willing to most likely get a tag, you know? So. Yeah. I'm going to flip the script on us, but that, I, I love that story. Uh, I guess the last part of that, you still game a thrown in with that, uh, with that hide man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still need to figure out what I'm doing with that, but yeah, I tan that hide and, um, yeah, I think I'm going to like put on a kind of frame wall mount or something and, and hang it on the wall or something. But, uh, that's a lot of hide. That's a big animal. Yeah, it is a big hide. I, I think if I put it on the floor, all the hair would just end up falling out on it. So, but, so uh, yeah. So you're kind of, you're kind of the year round guy, right? With the fishing and, and, you know, just chasing it. What about, what about the pursuit, especially, you know, and I don't want to keep bringing that up, but in a young hunting career, what about the pursuit that keeps you driving 365? Uh, I think it's just all about the, just the motivation, um, um, yeah, Dan Staten, uh, his elk shape podcast, he, he always tells about this, how elk is just like this supreme thing that always gives you so much motivation to stay in shape and to, to be a good husband and to do well with your finances, you know, so you can do, get out there and hunt more. And, and, uh, yeah, that, I think that's just what hunting is for me. It's just an awesome motivation to get out there and, uh, be the, the best I can physically and and for my for my family and my wife is just here listening. She's she, is, is she is she does she agree with being the best she could be? Is that why she's laughing? <laughs> is there disagree, is there disagreement there, Mrs. Thomas? <laughs> yeah. I was saying he needs to have a family that understands him going out. Yeah. How, how, but okay. So wifey's there. That is a, that is a huge, huge deal. And I think that there, that we, there's points where we take it for granted. Right. But when we look back on that stuff and, and to understand that we're able to go out two weeks, uh, I mean, even for a weekend, right. Hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to disappear into the mountains. Most times I don't have service and you're, and you're okay with that. I mean, my, you know, I applaud my wife all the time with dealing with my, butt with, uh, with this obsession. Um, yeah, but it's a big deal to have that support. So thank you. (laughs) She's approving and nodding. (laughs) Yeah, It is a big, and for years, I'm not gonna even BS it for years. I didn't realize how, how big of a deal that was. Right. I mean, it is, it's huge. I go out three weeks a month, you know, and I get to come home to a smiling wife. That is, uh, it's impressive. <laughs> My wife leaves to go on vacation or something for a week and I'm a, I'm a miserable SOB. <laughs> yeah. You hear a lot of guys going out and, and, uh, and their, their wives end up just telling them, I don't want you hunting anymore, you know? And, but, uh, yeah, we definitely takes a special person to oh, take yeah. over that. Like you said, I think she realizes that uh, 
is a good stress reliever for me and and uh yeah it gives me motivation to be a good person and stay healthy and i'm leaving you can be honest now <laughs> <laughs> i've left now she says you can be i'm leaving now you can be honest <laughs> <laughs> no it's a big deal i mean whether you know they kick and scream a little bit or not it's i think it's huge man that uh that we're able to it says a lot about the relationship, right? When you're able to do that and, and they, for, at least for me, I always say that I've, you know, I think my wife appreciates the person I am when I come back. Right. Cause after, you know, eight, nine months of waiting and then you get that, you know, two to three months of, of go time after, you know, that just this time of year, the off season, Oh, it's miserable, man. Miserable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it is a 365 thing for me. I, I, I'm always trying to do something. Yeah. Like I've been, been shed hunting a little bit recently and ice fishing and, uh, well, all the lakes are frozen and yeah, here in a couple weeks, I'll be spring bear hunting and turkey hunting. And, uh, yeah, during the summer I fish and, and scout and, and, uh, yeah, I'm always looking to do something to get out there. Yeah. You know? So the wife doesn't, does she partake in any of that with you? Does she go out scouting? She's fishing or. Um, not really. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's kind of similar to your wife. I mean, I've probably even less so than your wife. I heard your podcast the other day with your wife. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was so much fun, man. But you're talking 20 something years in the making for that. Yeah six days yeah. right i mean uh, that was it took a while yeah but she has a similar kind of similar attitude i don't think she could ever watch a animal take its last breath or anything like that she's she joked with me a few times if if i went with you i'd be rooting for the animal i would be trying to chase them away <laughs> but yeah. uh that's a federal crime <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that's part of how we kind of keep our relationship going and stuff and doing well. She, I, um, during the rest of the year, she kind of does, uh, she's in the theater and stuff. I try to give her her time and, and, uh, to do, uh, theater and acting gigs and, um, uh, around the year and, and, uh, hang with their friends and, and try and balance that out for when I'm gone. And so, yeah, it's a, to kind of take and give relationship, you know, you, you got it. It's important. Heck yeah, man. Good. Uh, that's uh good on both of you guys for that one. It takes a lot to, and I don't know if, you know, I shouldn't say it takes a lot. My wife may hear that. So what do you mean? It takes a lot, but to, to worry about the other person, um, and what, you know, makes them tick and what puts a smile on them face, man, it says a lot about, uh, how you guys are living. Right. And, and today we don't see a lot of that, at least I, well, I shouldn't say today outside of inside of hunting. I see it more than I see it anywhere. Um, the mutual respect and the understanding um, is pretty big in in our realm. Mm -hmm. And that's just my opinion. But and then you brought up uh, Dan, that dude is on a uh, on another level um, when it comes to commitment to elk hunting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dude is yeah. absolutely next level man yeah get kind of learning learning hunting and stuff he's one of the podcasts i listen to and got a lot from him and stuff and 
uh, kind of the message he puts out and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, going, going out and having kind of danger from predators and stuff that still kind of leaves that worry in you, you know, but, uh, yeah, I'm always carrying a pistol. I'm always, I got a in reach. Uh, so that helps and to, uh, kind of contact her if I need it. And so, yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps, man. So we've been, we've been up against it. Right. And, and as 2020 kind of washed away <laughs> the new, the new wave of 2021, but we've seen this, this onslaught of bills um, that are being put forth. Right. And I mean, it's across the country, um, New Mexico, Missouri, um, she's Montana here, uh, Oregon, Washington just had one hit today and Utah. Yeah. I think you had a few. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've kind of, as a, as a demographic, right. We've, in my opinion, have been a bit complacent. Um, and, and there's been a, maybe a bit of arrogance, if you will, that this was our right to go out here and do this right and utilize public lands and public resource. Um, but with these bills, it, it actually, a couple of them have really opened my eyes to us challenging ourselves as, as hunters, um, and how we should be approaching these things, right? The opposition, if you will, what, where, where do you stand with something like that? Right. Because being, again, I, I hate to keep saying it like that, but being a newer hunter, um, was that something that you looked at or thought of early on? And if you didn't, is it something that you wish there was more information on as you were, you know, in those first couple, three years? Yeah, probably not, probably not early on. I was just, yeah. So enamored by this new new uh hobby of mine or if you want to call it that 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 uh yeah that kind of consumed all my my thought power at, at the beginning but uh yeah as i started learning that uh hunting is more more than just killing animals it's it's uh it's about a, a respect for those animals learning all you can about those animals um it's, a, it's about conservation uh, and caring for those animals and and uh and then then yeah you take into part that we're started to, started to learn once i kind of got in that hunting atmosphere that uh there's a lot of people that want to want to take this right away from us there's not a, a lot of people that think we shouldn't be able to do this and just kind of how dare you attitude and, and, uh, yeah, growing up in North Idaho, there's a lot of, a lot of people up here that, uh, kind of has the screw you mentality of, uh, of, of hunting. I'll do what I want and how I want to do it. And, and, uh, yeah, as I, as, as I started learning about hunting and the whole hunting culture, it's, it's, uh, that's just one of the things that gives, gives the, um, the opposite side traction to, to, 
to make these bills and to to fight towards uh, these bills they're trying to pass, you know, and reasons to do so. And and uh, the more I learn is like the more 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 we need to represent uh, hunting in a good light, you know, not uh, trophy pictures with bloody hunt tongues hanging out and, and blood all over everything. And, and, uh, and I mean, yeah, there's a time and place to share those pictures with friends that hunt and everything like that. But, uh, to share them in certain spots is, is just gives them only, uh, a way to fight against us. Yeah. More fuel to their fire. I, and, and the reason I bring that up, right. Is, is, is I think our approach, right. Is we introduce someone to hunting, um, or we're talking to folks, you know, that, that are interested in it, but explaining, um, the full, you know, giving them the full story. Um, like you said, not just about going, you know, and yeah, it's great to put meat in the freezer and yes, the experience, but the biodiversity and the conservation aspect of it, um, you know, having that in that early conversation, um, I think is hugely important. And I, I really believe that we, we as a dem demographic community, as an industry or however anyone looks at it is we got to start having that conversation with the people that we're trying to bring in as well as the folks that are sitting, you know, maybe straddling the fence, um, and offer them some dialogue that educates them in terms of what we do why we do it, you know, that, that full spectrum experience, the full spectrum, you know, air quote conservation topic or conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think like probably 75 or 80% of all the activists out there, if they, if they knew what our true heart in hunting was, what our, how, how much we care for these animals, how they realize that hunters are the ones to the pay pretty darn near hundred percent of all the conservation money that goes into conservation and, and creating these, these, uh, atmospheres and stuff for good habitat for animals. A lot of people give their time and donate their money and, uh, really care about these animals. Yeah. I think if we, if we started about started off and a lot of people, these activists know, our true hearts and behind it, they would, a lot of them would, uh, would turn face, you know, and might have a different attitude towards, towards their opinions and on hunting. Yeah. And right now, man, like, you know, we were talking about all the bills and stuff going, you know, they're, I mean, they're backdoor and stuff. The one, uh, sportsman Alliance posted this evening, <clears throat> excuse me, um, up in Washington. And it's, uh, basically it's a, a an attempt to, put stipulations on trapping, uh, which means ends trapping. And it didn't pass the house, but somehow it's being heard in the Senate tomorrow. I mean, this is less than 24 hours before it's heard, but it, it, it's not even, they're not even going through the right channels anymore, right? They're not playing by the rules. Um, we have to have some some sort of different approach as we as we navigate their waters right because it's absolutely at this point their waters we're playing their game and we're having to be 
I'm going to say a hundred times more reactive than we have had to be in the, in the past. I mean, no warning, look at New Mexico. They did the same thing. It was like, you know, here it is. See you tomorrow at 10 AM. Um, and I, I can't remember. And I could be speaking out of the side of my mouth. There was another one. I think it was worse than that. It was like, Hey, we're talking about this today. And, um, I think it was New Mexico. I'm not going to, I thought Arizona had one too. There's been so many lately that you can't even keep track. Yeah. Yeah. I heard of you politicians trying to that, like trying to use that strategy as a way for people not to, to vote or fight it, giving them time to voice their opinions about it. Yeah. They're doing on Saturday where people aren't are home relaxing, not caring about news or anything like that, where they can just try and slip it on by. And yeah, I think that, politicians are even are even a bigger worry than these activate uh these groups that are trying to fight hunting activists and everything like that their politicians are probably definitely even worse than 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 that fight you know Heck yeah because they're the ones getting the they're getting the pocket change from it <laughs> yeah they're they're trying to just appease their the the people that gave them funding funding fees and, 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 uh, donations and everything like that. They're just trying to appease them and, and not really care about the opinions of the people. There's several of those bills in Montana that are even trying to slip through that people voted against the bill like several years ago that they obviously voiced their opinion that they don't, they don't want this bill, but they brought it back and, politicians are like, Oh, I know, I know best for you. And I'm going to try and pass it anyways, you know, and it's, it's the politicians word over ours half the time. It seems like, well, a lot of it, I mean, too, that's scary, right? Because as we see, you know, we see the call it the more liberal States, um, you know, people moving out of, you know, like California and the West side of the five in Oregon and Washington and, you know, moving to the Idaho's and, New Mexico, uh, Montana, it's just a matter of time before those go through, right? Because those heavy, heavy populist areas are going to control that state when the majority of the state is rural um, and has low population density. So they, it, it's to me, it's not by chance, right? They, they know the game and they're going to play that game until it passes. Um, this one yeah. in Washington is not likely to go through because of the back door, but now yeah. it's in the hearts and minds of these people that are, you know, hugging the cuddly furries, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. They know if they can pass one bill, that's, is that's one step closer to their, to their, uh, goals there to your thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it always starts with the, with the trapping. Cause that's the, that's that Washington one, man, get the, get the trapping in check. And that's just another notch in the belt. Yeah. That's, that's why I think it's important that even if, even if it's a activity like trapping that we don't do and we don't really support, I think it's important that we still support and still um, try and fight against these. Cause once they, take those down and yeah, what's next, you know? So. Yeah. That's a scary thought, man. So what's, yeah. uh, what's going on for 2021, man, as the, uh, the days tick by what's on the docket, where are you applying? You staying close to home or. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, I hadn't really got into elk much, but, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to fill my first, uh, elk tag here. So, uh, um, you know, like I said, 2017, I didn't really hunt elk much. 2018 was kind of pretty much filled up with my moose tag. I think I went out once or twice that year. Um, 2019 was the year I really got closest on an elk. I got had a shot on an elk about 300 yards during rifle season, ended up missing him. Um, got a close call for a few call-ins and stuff like that. And then, uh, but yeah, I'm that's still my main goal is to yeah fill that first elk tag. And so uh, that'll probably be my big focus. Uh, um, uh, North, North Idaho is pretty, pretty tough. And, um, one of the things I'm learning is, is, it's hard in this thick brush country out here to, uh, to fill your elk tags. I think the, the odds of filling elk tag up here are even lower sometimes for some people, but, uh, if they're with the wolves, they don't call very much and you can't glass them and, uh, because of the thick country and, and, uh, so you pretty much just have to cover a lot of miles and be lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. So how did um, how did the new tag allocation affect the uh the residents? That was that was a pretty good call for you guys, right? In terms of tag allocation and how they changed the non-res stuff there. Um yeah, it pretty much like before they they weren't really limited limiting tags per unit or whatever so you had s- several units that were kind of over hunted and, and uh um so they pretty much for yeah non-residents kind of s- split up so you have to only allowed um certain amount of tags per unit that way you're not over hunting a certain certain unit or whatever so um I think that was a good management call on their point, but, uh, um, yeah, probably not preferred by out of staters, but, uh, it is what it is, right. Wyoming just, uh, their bill just got shot down, um, where they were trying to take the allocation. I, I want to say that it's at, it's an 80, 20, and they were trying to go to a 90, 10 split, uh, res non res. And, and it was, it was interesting to watch, the uh, shots fired from either side of that discussion. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I'm not sure where I stand with that. I've been thinking about that and, and I get it right. If you're in a state and you want an opportunity, um, you know, being a resident of that state, you, you want some priority. So I can absolutely respect that. But at the same time, you know, if a guy is wanting to, you know, go out of state and, you know, maybe hunt all the Western States, um, you don't want to have to wait, you know, on a point system where, you know, now that you're at 10% odds as a non-res, um, it, it almost becomes a waste of money um, applying for some of those units. So it's a it's an interesting dynamic watching, right? Because that's kind of an internal battle with us um, and has nothing to do with the opposition. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a, that's a tough topic. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you need the out-of-staters to, to kind of help fund stuff in state, but uh, at the same time, you don't want to overhunt things. Um, 2020 was a huge 
huge hunting year for Idaho. We had a lot of people coming over from Washington because they um, had honey seasons closed down for a little bit. And um, I think that just a spring year, but, uh, but yeah, we, we get a lot of out-of-state hunters and, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of residents were complaining about it. So yeah, I think it was partially to appease the residents and yeah, partially for uh, some of our elk populations, especially up here in Northern Idaho, the wolves are kind of really destroying our population in uh, several areas. So I think it was definitely important on a, on a management purpose to kind of watch over the, the numbers for each unit and everything like that. That's going to help, but, uh, but yeah. And then uh, because of that, I think they, they raised, yeah, they raised their applications for out of staters and stuff probably to help account for that. But, uh, well, that was, so. that was what was, cur- well, well go back to Idaho real quick. I think, uh, I waited, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the same day. No, it was the next day when it opened. I was like, oh, I'll be okay. It's Idaho. And, uh, dude, I got on there, had three units in mine, and they were all done by the time I got on. And it was like two o'clock the day after it yeah. opened, and they were, it was done. And I was just like, yeah. goodness, man. They were pretty much sold out within an hour, I think. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't yeah, expect. Like, it's been selling out quicker and quicker. And as people, started realizing that Idaho is this kind of sleeper state and then <laughs> more people are more and more people are starting hunting it. And, um, yeah, it's really nice how they do it with a, without doing a point system. And, and, uh, yeah, I think a lot of states should, should go to that non point. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Going, you know, back to Wyo, they, uh, they were talking something like a 56% increase on their elk tag with the new system or the new allocation. Um, And so a regular tag is like, call it 650, somewhere between 640 and 660. Uh, And then if you go with the special, that SOB is 1200 plus. So a 56% increase in cost. I mean, you're talking a $1,200 just tag <laughs> and then the special if it ha- if it sees the same increase to offset you know that that non-res difference um that's a lot of money man that's a $2800 elk tag yeah that's that's hard to swallow you can get close to almost almost an Alaskan hunter or something with that kind of money you know so yeah, yeah it's tough to Oh. Yeah, that's a big one. Hopefully, you know, I I got a Wyoming to me is like a three or four point state. You can get in there. You may not get in the best units, um, but I think that they are one of the best in terms of management. Um, and then from my 2018 trip up there, man, I saw some bulls that I can't get off my mind. I may never yeah. see them again, but I have to get back. So hopefully that that bill didn't go but i'm hoping just to get in there this year um and and kind of be done with uh my vendetta with wyoming and then hopefully that points and then yeah be done with it yeah i mean i you know i'd like to move on (laughs) (laughs) you know what i I mean (laughs) i hear a lot of people there that's their strategy for this year yeah just a lot of people are going to be burning their points here this year right here yeah just get it and move (laughs) uh, on and get to the next state but yeah, being a new hunter, I haven't hopped into that out of state stuff yet. 
still my goal to kill an elk and yeah you got them at home yeah see for me like here in cali you can't i'm i'm 17 points i probably wouldn't see i probably won't see that tag for somewhere between the next i'm gonna say three to five six years um so i have to if i want to hunt elk i have to hunt out of state yeah yeah i hear it's tough to get those uh tule elk tag any elk tag here yeah (laughs) But yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing, right? And what do you do, right? You have, you have all three species. I'm not going to go hunt a Rocky Mountain or a Roosevelt here. And I, and this is the only place in the world that Thule's exist. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. not going to burn all those points and not that they're any lesser, but it, in my head, I can go run around Colorado for two, three weeks and chase Rockies, um, run up to Oregon on a rosy hunt. There's no... There's no reason for me to burn the points on on a Rosie or a or an Iraqi here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you're you're too deep there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep going. I got that really elk. Yeah, for sure. Cross my fingers. I'm gonna apply for it this year. I've been buying points forever. So yeah, is there a is there an amount of points that they those are typically get drawn at or? No, I mean usually your max point, and then with point creep, you're looking at another you know four or five years. So. It, uh, it's a discouraging process. And then as point yeah. creep, as point creep goes, right. It doesn't, it really doesn't get any better. So. Yeah. It's uh, it sucks. But what do you do when you're vet, when you're that deep, like you said, you just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And fishing game in these States are kind of stuck too. Like, what do you do? Like get people that have built their points all year. Do you, all these years that you just, get rid of that or yeah you kind of just they're kind of just stuck where they're at when with all these point systems yeah yeah it's yeah and as the scary part is is you know california in my opinion right california seems in terms of hunting that it's just going to get more restrictive um and the more restrictive it gets the less the less revenue that we'll see going into fish and wildlife and then i think that's going to limit you know management and opportunity and things like that as the years go by so it it's a little concerning but you know it's the political climate in this state is uh, unfortunately affects our opportunity to a point so yeah (laughs) yep yeah west west side of oregon west side of washington they're all the same way yeah yeah, it's pretty well. And uh, it California is just spread out, right? Northern Cal is a little bit different. It's not as not as widespread, and that has to do with some of the rural areas. Um, but you know, even even NorCal, you got uh, you got the Bay Area that hurts. But yeah, our heavy populous areas, man, they just they run it. Yeah. Yeah, preset. Well, all right brother well i appreciate the time man it's good catching up with you getting this recorded man i had to hear about that moose hunt even though it had some years on it but i think there's some big takeaways man and and just getting after it like that um man i wish you the best this season man you have to keep me posted um see if we uh if you get that elk laid down 
Yeah. Yeah. Me and a buddy are going to try and apply for uh, a draw tag kind of central Idaho. They're kind of more open country. Might try that this year as long with a, a mule deer tag as well down there. Um, we have mule deer up here in northern Idaho, but uh, they're, they're pretty low population. So your chances of seeing one are pretty low, but uh, so yeah, we're hoping to draw mule deer and, and uh, elk tag down there and, and uh, hopefully that works out. But uh, if not, we'll uh, still chase some bulls up here. Heck yeah, man. All right, brother. Well, I'll let you get back to the family again, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you greatly. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I always, always like talking. Hunting. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.